Thank you, worship team, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Rich, and I'm one of the co-lead pastors, and it is good to be with you. Uh, feels, for some reason, with our retreat last week and not being here, it feels like it's been a long time since we've been together and uh, in this place, so um, thank you for being here. We are in the final sermon of our sermon series we have called Rhythms, in which we've been looking at practices and postures that we can apply to our day-to-day life that help us to put this call of the Great Commission into practice. Um, Today, as we end our series, we're looking at a practice that we're simply calling living, which you might naturally go, oh, wait a minute, I think I'm already doing that. Let's hope. Uh, It's this kind of summary, kind of all-inclusive practice that we're going to look at. And what my hope is, is that we're going to rethink what it means to truly live. What does it mean to live, and what does that look like with regards to the Great Commission, and what does it do as it takes us into this Advent season? So that's what we're going to be doing today, and before we start, um, let me just open this up in prayer. Jesus, we do ask that you um, would show yourself to be present as we have taken time to listen and to testify through song and to worship, as we've had moments of hospitality and blessing as we've had moments of singing and worship as we've had moments in which we could just uh, rest help us to hear from you help us to know what it looks like to truly live the way you called us to we pray this in jesus name amen so before we start i have two quotes that i want to share with you both of these came to me at a young age probably high school in that range Um, The first one especially, but both, really came to me before I was a Christian, but right around the same time. The first quote, I have never known the author for, and it says this. How you live your life today is how you'll live your life, because your life is made up of many days. How you live your life today is how you'll live your life, because your life is made up of many days. That is tied for first place with another quote. That has impacted me for my life and that is life moves pretty fast if you don't stop and look around once in a while you could miss it also from a wonderful classic ferris bueller's day off movie um, and both these quotes meant something to me not just because like ferris bueller's day off was a great movie in my opinion um, but because they caused me to think they made me pause They made me ask questions about whether or not I'm experiencing all that life has for me. Christian or not, they make me ask good questions to pause in the midst of the craziness of life and think about my decisions. Or in the context of God, to seek God first before me. Now, later in my walk, I read another text that came from Scripture And I remember especially first reading it, but multiple times since, reading it and thinking how odd it felt and how kind of different it felt from these quotes. And it comes from John 12, 25. We're going to be looking at it a lot today. And it says this, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I don't know about you, but when I read that, there's some interesting things that start popping into my head. I'm like, hmm. It's kind of like humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. It's these two things that don't seem to really go together and make sense. And when you have these kinds of things come up, a lot of time us theologians, when we don't really understand something, we call it a paradox. 
which is a really cool word that means we don't really know what's going on, but we want to tell you, and it sounds really cool, and we say, yeah, that's a paradox, right? And as I've looked at this text a number of times, but especially over the last three or so weeks, I want you to know it's not a paradox. But it says, right, how you, love, how you live your life, if you love it, you're going to lose it, and if you hate it, you get to have it forever. It's not a paradox. This is actually what true theologians refer to as a buzzkill. That's the theological term, right? So, so if you're really enjoying your life, it's gone. And if your life is just absolutely miserable, it's yours to keep forever. Awesome. Great deal. You're incredibly happily married, and it means you're going to lose that. And those of you who are in the worst situation struggling in your marriage, guess what? You get to have that forever, never going away. Great deal. Sounds like a buzzkill. Now, what I would like to suggest to you is that this is not actually a paradox, because um, we don't really know what a paradox is, because we like to say that when we don't understand stuff. And I'm also going to tell you that it is not a buzzkill. It is something else. And that's what we're going to be looking at today, is this short text, and we're going to kind of peel away some of the English and go below it to the deeper core meaning. And this is new for me. This was a new process for me with this particular text. So I'm still learning stuff, so hopefully you can stick with me. But before we dive into this, I want to remind us all that the New Testament was originally written in the Greek. So when we read it in the English, we have to remind ourselves that somebody had taken the original language in the Greek and translated it into English, which there are times where that happens very easily. The word in Greek translates nicely into English, but there's other times where the words in Greek have more meaning than the equivalent word in English. And as a result, sometimes we miss things or we don't get the full picture. And so we find sometimes that there's a deeper meaning hidden below the text as we read it. And my job is to help us kind of see that. And this is actually the journey I've been on as I've dove into this text. So as an example, as I walked up here this morning, I was holding cup number five of something I love, which is coffee. I love coffee. I also love the brand Adidas, and I'm not gonna tell you all the ways that I love that or how I'm employing that love right now, but I love Adidas, okay? Now, I also love my son, Jack, and I love my daughter, Gladys, and I love my wife. Now, I've used that word love multiple times, but hopefully you can get the sense that there's different meanings behind my love for coffee and my love for my family. So it makes sense, right? One word can hold different meanings. And that's what's happening in this text. In this text, there are a few words that have a different semantic range that we need to look at to fully understand this text. And it turns out, I think it will help us think more accurately what it means to employ this rhythm of truly living our life as God intends in the day-to-day. So the first word I want us to look at in this text is a really fun word. It's the word hate. And the word hate in the Greek is the word maseo. And you kind of want maseo, right? It has that kind of sound. Now, the word maseo in the Greek is actually not an emotion. In English, when we think of the word hate, we think of something fairly emotional, right, that kicks in. But in Greek, maseo refers more to an, um, an action than an emotion. 
And that action in this case is more like the idea of surrender or movement against something, which feels very different. So if you were to take the text and change this a little bit, it looks like this. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who surrenders their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, it doesn't change the whole problem of you have a great life, too bad, and your life is horrible, and guess what? It's yours forever kind of issue. But it does create a little finer understanding. We're not talking about this emotion of hating life. We're talking about the miseo, which is this ability to surrender, release, or become less attached to a certain aspect of life. So hopefully, at least at this point, you're following with me and that makes sense. Now, if we look at the text, just as you see it above, you see something else. There's a word that's repeated three times in this one sentence, and that's the word life. And anytime you see words repeated in a short amount of text, that is your cue to check it out. Why is this showing up so many times in these few words? And that's what I've been doing for the last three weeks, trying to figure out what's going on here. And what I want us to see is that we look forward. What Jesus is doing in this passage is he's making a distinction between two kinds of life, two different kinds of life. And the reason why we know this is because when we look at the actual words in the Greek, you're going to see that although in the English language it's the same word three times, in the Greek there's two different words. The first two instances of the word life is the Greek word psyche. And psyche is often referred to the idea of the soul, which is accurate. It's one of the ranges of the word. It's where we get the word psychology and the study of the soul. However, the word psyche in the Greek also refers to life, and when it does, it means a particular avenue or aspect of life. And for the Greeks, psyche was what you were given when you were born, and it's what you lose when you die. So everything that happens in your life is the psyche. So as an example, all the ever-changing circumstances of life, right, such as your job, your living situation, relationships, finances, family, school, your health, clothes, stress, your hairline, whatever, all those things in life that you would see as making up your life, that's your psyche. So if your life is going badly, you're referring to the stuff of life that's happening in your life. For the Greeks, that's psyche. And Jesus talks about this kind of life somewhere else in the book of John. In John chapter 10, verse 11, it says, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That word life is the same word, psyche. So you have this trans kind of difference, this contrast, if you will, that Jesus is trying to illustrate. If you learn to become too attached to the things of your life, You'll lose it, but if you learn to become less attached to the things of your life, you'll gain something. And this is what you gain as you look at the text. Anyone who loves their life, the psyche, will lose it, while anyone who surrenders their life or the psyche in this world will keep it for what it says, eternal life. Now this word life at the end of the text is a different word. It's the word zoe. Now, zoe is a very different type of kind of life than psyche. 
And Zoe gets referred to a lot in the Bible, so I want us just to look at a couple examples that you've probably heard before. This in the beginning of John, talking about Jesus, it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So in him was Zoe, and that Zoe was the light of all mankind. Another example, John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus, have come that they may have life, Zoe, and have it to the full. So Jesus is pointing us to, he comes to reveal and promise us something called Zoe. And it's in contrast to the psyche. He's making a distinction between these two kinds of life. And the Zoe life, according to Jesus, is not the stuff that happens in life or in your life, but it's the very fact that you have a life. Zoe is about your existence itself. It's the very gift, the miracle of an existence, of life. To be alive, regardless of what happens in this psyche, life is Zoe. So Jesus is saying that there are these two different things that we often try to merge or blend together or combine, and we're constantly erasing this line that's in between the two, and it causes problems. And this is what Jesus is trying to show us. Now, what's really interesting is you start studying this word zoe, which I started doing. You start finding out that zoe has no beginning and no end. The Zoe life is perfectly continuous, unchanging, immovable, and unaffected by the things of life. The psyche, in contrast, is always up and down, rising and falling, always constantly changing. So, for example, if your life is going wonderfully awesome right now, just wait. right? And if you are having a horrible time in life right now, just wait. I promise you that it will get better. And I promise you it will get worse. And why do I promise that? Because the nature of the psyche is that it is always changing. It's the nature of life. Zoe, on the other hand, is not like that. It's much deeper. It is stable. It's unchanging. It's an immovable kind of life. So I'm trying to think of how to communicate this because my brain's kind of blowing up as I'm studying this, and I came up with kind of three images to hopefully help us understand. The first one I want you to do is just to think about the psyche as the clouds, while zoe is the sky that contains the clouds. So, for example, while the clouds are always changing, moving, some days the clouds are worse, others great. We know this, right, as Seattleites. But the sky itself stays the same. It contains all of those clouds. Another example, think about the ocean. The psyche is the waves and the surface of the sea. And while the top of the seas are tossing and turning and are slaves to the elements based on the circumstances, they're always moving. But if you were to go deep into the ocean depths, of the ocean, there's this kind of cocoon-like quality to it that protects and doesn't move and isn't a slave to the elements above. So the zoe is the ocean depths, which contains the waves above. 
Now, a third picture I have, it happened to me on Tuesday. I woke up early, and I was blessed to see an amazing sunrise. So I took a few pictures. You might have seen some on Facebook. This is one of the ones from my house. Now, it was only like 30 degrees outside, but the sun made the room feel warm. Now, if Zoe is the sun, then the psyche is this picture of the sun. So if you're in a dark place that's cold and you are in need of light and warmth, if we look at the picture expecting warmth and light, you will surely be disappointed, right? Like a firefly would literally produce more high heat and light than this picture by itself will. So if you're looking for light, you'll find it in the sun, not the picture of it. And that's this idea. So if you go looking for the zoe in the things of the psyche, you're going to be disappointed. And all of us can relate to this. Now, we talked about the zoe, but there's another finer point in this text that really helps us go a little further into what this passage is saying. So let's look at it again. Anyone who loves their life, the psyche, will lose it, while anyone who surrenders their life, the psyche, in this world, will keep it for eternal life, zoe. Now, whenever we run into the word zoe in the New Testament, we often find a describing word directly in front of it. And in this case, the word eternal is before it. Eternal Zoe. And the phrase eternal Zoe shows up 45 times in the New Testament. Now in the Gospels, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, those first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those first three are what we call the synoptic Gospels, which is just a really big word that describes that you can view all of these together. In other words, they are borrowing uh, from the same source material. The Gospel of John, though, is a different kind of gospel. So the source material of the first three gospels always talk about this phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Whereas the gospel of John talks about this eternal life. Now they're talking about the same thing using different language and different words. So, so when you hear this talk about eternal Zoe, we're talking about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And this is what Jesus has come to point us to, to reveal, to help us to experience this reality. Now, this word, eternal, that comes right before Zoe in the Greek is this word, ion. And it's often translated forever, but the problem is that's not exactly what it means. It's got two primary kind of meanings to the word. One, it gets used pretty infrequently, and that's this idea of a season. It has a beginning and an end. So if you think about a president, for example, Bill Clinton will say, there was the Clinton era or the Clinton ion. Or if you, like my son, liked dinosaurs, there was a season where we have dinosaurs, there was the dinosaur kind of era or ion. That's one primary meaning that doesn't get used very much. The one that gets used the most for ion is this idea that resides outside of time. It is something that has no beginning and no end. It's something that always has been and always will be. It's outside of time. And I'm trying to come up with a way to explain this. So, so 
stick with me on this, but maybe some of you can relate. I first started dating my now wife, Jen, and in the process of us getting to know one another, I remember multiple times, either on the phone or on a date, say around 7 o'clock, I'd pick her up, we'd start talking, and what felt like a few minutes, I would look at the clock, and it's now 2 a.m., right? And it, that was this moment where I look at the clock, and I'm shocked at the time, because it's a moment of ion, right? The clock disappeared, and you stepped outside of time, and the joy was so much that it had no relationship with hours or minutes, because they didn't mean a thing to you in that moment. It's a moment of ion. Another example might be you're in the shower, and, and you notice a lump that's not normally there, and you go to the doctor to get this checked out, and the doctor looks at the lump and asks you a bunch of questions about it. Hmm, I'm not sure exactly what that is, the doctor says. It could be really serious, or it could be nothing. So I think we should take some tests. Once we take some tests, we'll have some answers, and once we have those answers, we'll know whether this is serious or not. We'll take tests today. It's going to be about a week before we get those results. Now, how long does that week feel? feels like multiple lifetimes that you're waiting for. That's ion. It's outside of time. And this can happen for all kinds of things. Waiting for a response from a job interview. Waiting for your baby to be delivered. As we enter into this season of Advent, we are about to enter into this waiting period as we approach the birth of the Messiah to come. So, so when we read the Bible and we see words like eternal torment or eternal suffering or eternal life, like in this text, it's not talking about successive unending minutes and seconds and hours and days and months and years. It's talking about a moment in which you are not out of time. It's talking about something where you're no longer in relationship to time. And that means, as a result, that you have access to this eternal life now, not just then and there. Which also means that you have access to eternal suffering here and now, not just then and there. Because it's not about forever like we naturally think about forever. It's like someone asking if eternal life is forever is the same as saying, how fast is the color blue? It's like a complete confusion of the categories. Now, over the last couple of weeks, this is stuff I've been wrestling with, so I want us to be clear on a couple of things, particularly with this idea of ion zoe. And the first is that eternal life is the joy of life, no matter what happens in life. And all of us have probably had one of those moments in the mist of great difficulty in which we actually experience joy and this sense that it's all okay, even though nothing situationally has changed. That's Ion Zoe. It's the joy of life, eternal life, no matter what happens in life. And the second thing is that this possibility of this eternal life begins the day you're born, not the day you die. And we have spent so much time thinking about and being taught that eternal life is something you get when you die. And yet the scriptures tell us, as Jesus Christ himself tells us, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is now. This ion zoe is accessible now. And there's this reason 
that Jesus wants us to urgently know the message, and it's not because he's afraid that you and I are going to die. He's afraid we'll continue to be alive and not awake and aware and participating in this amazing reality that is in and around us right now. Jesus is calling us to let go of or to surrender our psyche in order to gain this zoe. And the line between these two is important. Now, again, if you think about it for us, when we think about the psyche, that's like the foundation, right? We can get this job and we have this relationship. And if this circumstance changes, if all these things happen, then we're going to have peace in life. But Jesus is telling us to look beyond the circumstances of life for a stable life. The kind of life Jesus offers can't be found in those situations and circumstances. Rather, it's the eternal life that doesn't change and is full of joy and beauty despite our circumstances. And it's available from the day we are born, not the day we die. Now, if you think of it like your breath, this is something that's entering you and moving you and keeping you alive no matter what the circumstances are around you. No matter what you think or what others think about you, no matter what you've achieved or failed to achieve, that breath brings no judgment and it brings perfect faithfulness for the rest of your life, independent of what happens in your life. That is the gift of Zoe, and it's being given to you in this very moment, every moment, for the rest of your life, and it's already in you. And honestly, if you're like me, how often do you ever think about your breath? That is the point. That's the practice and posture of truly living. Because our mind is constantly erasing the difference between these two types of life. And so we have to remember to practice this. We need to be awake to this reality that is available to us. Because if we can remember this and practice living more fully into this ion zoe, then the possibilities are endless. But if not, the text says, if we continue to live in the psyche, we'll suffer for sure. Now, it's really easy now just talking about these two distinctions and this line in between to assume now that what I'm saying is psyche's really bad, Zoe's really great. Very little value, high value, black and white. And that is not what's going on, and that would be a mistake to understand this. It's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying that these are opposites, but that it's a matter of sequence. They are not binary opposites. So in other words, you get them in the right order, and everything changes. You get them out of order, and you get into trouble. So I'm not a mathematician, so forgive me, but I'm going to give you some examples. So take the number one. And the, one, and the number zero. And there's some value to those as you look at it. Now, if you take a one and put a zero before it, there's not a lot of change. There's a zero and a one still. And no matter what, I could add a bunch of zeros to that, but I still just got zero and one. On the other side, though, if I take a one and put a zero after it, now the one and zero have a completely different value. And as I add more zeros to something, to this, something amazing happens. 
it radically changes and transforms the values of each of these ones and each of these zeros. And that's what I want you to be thinking about. The zoe is a one. And everything in your life is a zero. So your bank account is a zero. Your family is a zero. Your kids, zero. Your education, your job, those are zeros. Your friends, your friends are all zeros, right? Your, your health is a zero. Your clothing, your spouse, you name it, right? Any of those things are zeros. And if you get them out of order, you lose the value of both. But if you get them in the right order, the psyche becomes more extraordinary and beautiful than you could ever imagine. It adds to the riches of life, but only if the Zoe is first. So if you lose or surrender your attachments to the psyche and pick up the Zoe, you can have this too. Otherwise, you lose them both. This is why Jesus says in the scriptures to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. It's because it's a matter of sequence. So, what does this look like in the day-to-day? There's a good question. How do we live this Zoe life? This is the thing I've been trying to figure out, and I've not figured it out, really. Uh, It is not something that's easy, right? Uh, For the last three or four weeks, I've been asking and trying and practicing. And all I can really say is that the trick to having this Zoe life and living into this Zoe life is practice. Just requires awareness, being awake, if you will, paying attention, slowing down, and being purposeful. It will not just happen. Everything in our world, and we all know this, is set up to distract us and keep us busy, or as Ferris Bueller would say, to miss it. And again, it's just like paying attention to your breathing. It's something that's happening all the time, but how often do we actually think about it? Now, when I was up at Lakeside last week with many of you, it was really cold, and one of the mornings I got up really early, and of course that means you get up and go down by the lake, and it was so cold that I could see my breath. And it was in that moment that I had to pause and slow down and recognize and thank God for his presence, for his life, the fact that I was there. This week, in another example, I've been sick, and my nose has rotated from running on this side to running on this side to stuffed on one side to stuffed on another to completely stuffed. And it's amazing how something as lame as sickness can remind you and make you aware of your breathing or lack of ability to breathe. But it's there. You have to be aware of it. The other day, I was walking home from dropping my kids off at school, and I was thinking and praying about the sermon and asking God uh, to help me be more awake and aware. That's what I've been doing. And as I was doing so, I walked by this car that I've literally walked by who knows how many times in the last five years, and I saw this. Now, I don't know if you can see it, but the license plate says rhythm on it. And I have literally walked by this so many times. And not only that, I, I, I find it even more humorous. It's a car. It's a Pontiac Vibe. It's called a Vibe, and the license plate is rhythm. Uh, and I have not noticed this. Twelve weeks in a rhythm sermon series. 
The same idea, right? Brother Lawrence talks about in his book, Practicing the Presence of God. It, it's this idea that when you started off practicing this, it's going to be difficult. But connecting with Zoe by surrendering your psyche needs to be a habitual practice. And just like anything you practice, you start to get more flexible. You start to get more aware. You start to get better at these things. And this is something that we need to do. Because God wants you, he wants me to connect with him and to experience this joy despite those circumstances. He wants us to put him first and allow everything to be second, not because he's egocentric, but because it's better for us to do so. He wants us to experience this abundant life, life to the full, that he came to reveal and point to us to. He wants us to experience the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven that is here and now. And he wants us to find warmth from the sun, not a picture of a sun. And he wants us to feel the calm of the depths of the ocean and not to be tossed about by the wind. He calls us, he invites us to live into and experience Ion Zoe, eternal life. Now, I'm going to end there and uh, invite the worship team to come forward. And, and as they do, in your bulletin are these connection cards. And if you could pull that out, flip it over on the back, and, and I'm the first to admit there's not a whole lot of space there. Um, so maybe just pick one or two of these. But what I'd love for you to do is just take a moment and jot down your answers or your thoughts to one or two of these. And then as you leave today, there are these wood boxes, each one of the doors. And if you could just drop the card in there, um, that would be super awesome. Um, but these are the four questions just to ponder as we think about this. First one, how has the idea of eternal life as you know it affected the way you live your day-to-day -day life? And I want you to be honest. Do you even think about eternal life in your day-to-day? -day? Does it affect the way you think and feel and behave and move? Question number two, what do you do that helps connect you to a Zoe life? Are there things, practices, things that you do that just help you kind of lose your attention to the psyche and focus on the Zoe? It causes time to stand still, if you will. Three, maybe think of a chaotic storm in your life right now and think of what in your psyche life that you need to surrender in order to allow the Zoe life to become more of your reality. And we all know what it's like, right? In the midst of those difficult circumstances, they seem overpowering and consuming, and it's hard to focus on anything else. And I'm wondering if there's something in the midst of that that you can surrender yourself to, to allow yourself to focus and to enter into this zoe. And the fourth one is just to simply list any things in your life that you have let come before God. Whatever that is. And we all do it, let's just be clear. So, if you would, take a moment, that'd be great. I'm going to close this in prayer, and then we're going to sing one last song together. Um, but I would love to hear from you. So, let's pray. Jesus, God, help us to truly live the life you have for us. Help us to get into the rhythm of seeking you first. Help us to trust you with the psyche life.